and it's about time for true crime hello hey Allie and i are really burning the midnight oil for you guys this week quite literally we are recording very late yeah really late after a very 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 fucking long day yeah Um, of a very 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 fucking long week yes and then if you could just like take that and i don't know multiply it by like the 14th power i think that would get to about where we are yeah um so we're sorry if you guys hear that in our voices this week but um unfortunately this is also not like a great topic the thing that is exciting though is Mm -hmm. that at the end i think it will lift all of our spirits okay um like so you have good news for me at the very end yes so it's like its own reprieve yes okay this is a horrendous case that yes I have spent like a month and a half plus solely focused on. You're right. But it comes to a good end, okay. even though it's horrid. So well, I'm very much looking forward to it. Tell me everything. All right. Do you want to jump into it? I mean, well, we did a short one last week. How how was your guys' week? Are you guys good? Are you doing okay? We have exciting things coming. Um, we certainly do. By the end of this month, there will be a new sticker up on our red bubble uh correct that's at atftc pod by the way in case you were wondering just in case you were wondering. um and you can get all sorts of those also if you guys could would you just send us like a little dm with some of your favorite quotes something you'd like to see on a sticker something you think would be cute we're thinking of like exactly and exactly heinous. those would probably be good ones heinous. um what the full-on fuck is going on what the full-on fuck is definitely probably gonna happen um, <laughs> definitely probably <laughs> i absolutely never ever use absolutes <laughs> but um yeah just let us know hit us up with your faves because we're excited to do it but uh, it's really weird when you do podcasting because it's just the two of us sitting in a room talking to each other mm-hmm. and then we're like guessing what the funny stuff would be so definitely let us know what you like we know. know what we laugh at it's all the same things you hear us laugh at but that's all we got so. i know sometimes we're just sitting here in our fat pants yeah oh. and making jokes and it's true talking about some of the worst things that have happened in our world and and i feel like it's been a hot second since we've said this but Allie and i are having these conversations anyway so it really feels no different other than a microphone no, seriously, we literally will research a case and then, like, talk to the other yeah. one about it anyway. <laughs> oh, my gosh, like, with the Alex Murdaugh series. Oh, my God. I think that has, like, captivated me watching that Netflix yeah. special, which was really good. And if you haven't watched it, you should. I think after the court stuff, we should cover it. I definitely think we should. I know it's, like, I know pretty much everyone in there mom is doing it but right ultimately it's just it's fascinating and this fucking guy did it i know <laughs> fucking guy fucking guy yeah he just the whole family got away with so much for so long it's like the end of an era in a good way yeah so if you haven't watched that totally do it i also watched the Lori vallow yes and series. i need to that one sounds good it is so bad in I mean, a good way yeah you know what i mean you know what i yeah. mean well, you know what I mean. It's so bad, it's good. It's, it's so good, so it's good in a bad way. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't end it feeling better. We'll put it that way. Ugh. But you have a lot more information and you're fascinated and interested. Okay. I'm into it. But that's all I'll say, okay? Okay, you guys. So you guys have to watch that. Um, 
Let's see. I recently, oh, I thought you guys would love this. Allie, actually, you also would probably love this. I mm-hmm. think you should listen to it. But I found this song that I'm like obsessed with. It was in the background of a TikTok of like some random artist that I follow. But it is Strawberry by Andrew Montana. And it's kind of like a clean, folksy song. Mm-hmm. But it's also about being in love with a murderer. Oh. And it's so cute. I'm listening. Yes. Okay. It's very cute. So I will link that below. Definitely check him out. I thought that was good. And I figured this was definitely the audience for it. So yeah, right. If anything would be. Right. Um, but with that. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Okay, you guys. So hey, hey, party people. We are in the last episode of Nexium and Piece of Shit, Keith Ranieri. Yes. Which is so fucking relieving, you guys. I know there's so much out there that I wasn't able to put in this, but like, not for nothing. I'm pretty damn good at researching, and I didn't have time to write down this entire man's memoir because he doesn't really deserve one. So um, I figured I'd include all the pertinent stuff, but just know there's a whole hell of a lot more out there. So if you're as fascinated as I am, don't think it ends here. Um, I tried to get everything that was big, but... Before we watch Keith Raniere go down Horde, um, Mm. I do want to just do a quick recap of everything we've talked about. Yes, we've talked about a lot. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do a quick summary here. Since it's the end, I think it's important to hear all of the egregious behavior of piece of shit Keith Raniere spelled out before we hear more and then we see him get taken down. Mm. I think that is important, but also it's kind of insane because... You guys know these have been like two hours each. So it's just a lot of really shitty things one right after another. Correct. So much so that it almost feels like the first shitty things get like forgotten about and overlooked at. So I just wanted to do a little bit. All right. First, we talked about how stupid ass piece of shit Keith Raniere thought that he was the smartest man in the world because he had big dick energy as a kid and thought that he was balling like two times the normal IQ. Yeah, he was gifted, but the rest of that grandiosity could probably be could probably be chalked up to psychopathy or narcissism. And both. Yeah, probably. Then, as an adult, he had multiple, three discussed, underage statutory rapes against three different underaged women, Gina A., Gina B., and Rhiannon. Then we saw Keith create and run and then ruin National Health Network um, while beginning to prey on Tony Natale. With Tony Natale, he forced her to repeatedly re-traumatize herself in reciting the details of a horrendous sexual assault she experienced at four years old, after which she was exhausted physically, emotionally, and isolated from her friends and family, and he convinced her to take a job working for him, which he shortly thereafter made her responsibility once National Health Network declined. At National Health Network... Tony met Nancy Salzman, deeply in need of a poo, who then offered to do therapy (laughs) with Tony. (laughs) Deeply in need of a poo. I mean, who among us? (laughs) (laughs) After meeting Tony, Nancy offered to do therapy with her. And then after a session, told Tony that Keith was a psychopath, which immediately after she rescinded their next session, after having met with Keith multiple times. Fucking snake, too. Just Mm -hmm. so Tony was then essentially raped at Keith. Keith's will isolated in Albany with him and her son and though it took many years she did eventually break up with him and this is where Keith sent her that ridiculously manipulative letter that we read and told her that the next time they saw each other she would be dead or in prison and then continued to relentlessly sue her 
that's so haunting too that that letter if i ever got that no i'd hand that shit right over to the police i'd be like tpo please (laughs) seriously so after that nancy salzman and keith got closer shortly having a sexual relationship of their own and began nexium the umbrella company for their smaller programs like Executive Success Program, the incredibly misogynistic men and women's tracks, Jeunesse and Society of Protectors, as well as the different science studies that they did, like the Tourette studies, where Nancy, who is not a psychologist, psychiatrist, nor has any experience with Tourette's, victim-shamed individuals who were diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome into no longer ticking, and then claimed she cured it. Um, There was also studies with people who had OCD, by the way. There's like a bunch of them. Yeah, they definitely didn't just do one study. Yeah. And then we see Nancy and Keith tower over this organization they created as their vanguard and prefect. During their time at the top of Nexium, Keith also created and maintained a harem of like 15 to 20 Nexium women at any given time, including, but not limited to certainly, Lauren Salzman, Nancy's daughter, Tony Natalie, Barbara Boucher, Pam Caffritz, Allison Mack, and so, so many more. Further, Barbara Boucher, who Nancy introduced to Keith, was used for her professional skills as well as emotionally manipulated by Keith. And then I wrote in parentheses, like everyone is. <laughs> Seriously. And then was drained of her entire life savings, sued relentlessly, and Keith then tried to block her from filing for bankruptcy to get help. Not to mention, much more sinister behind-the-scenes schemes we'll get to later in this episode. Hmm. We also saw the sinister side of ESP with the fright studies, where Jen had to watch those absolute horrors and apologize for reacting. And then, also, we saw the side effects of people that suffered from those Tourette studies, like Isabella. Lastly, in our third part, we went over DOS, the sex cult within the cult that led so many women in Nexium not only to be forced to seduce Keith, but essentially develop eating disorders or willfully malnourish their bodies, get branded without consent, and were required to give over constant collateral, regardless of its truth, as long as it could be blackmailed. I mean, isn't that trafficking? It is. Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Then we saw how Allison Mack and Lauren Salzman, as well as the other first line of DOS slaves, created the second line of DOS slaves and ended our part on DOS with Sarah Edmondson finding out the brand she got actually had Allison Mack and Keith Ranieri's initials in it. Ugh. We also heard about the tragic conditions that individuals like Daniela faced illegally smuggled back into the country with her family turned against her, all of her immigration paperwork taken away. And kept in her room isolated for two years after daring to kiss another man. That wasn't Keith Ranieri who groomed her as a child. And then also forced to wait till her hair grew back because mm-hmm. he didn't like that she cut it herself. Mm-hmm. Piece of shit. shit. Okay. Piece of shit. <laughs> so this is where we're picking up. Hmm. Hmm. Don't you just love this piece of shit? I don't. Love it. So Keith and Das, piece of shit Keith Ranieri, told everyone that he was celibate. And as I hope I've more than overwhelmingly provided evidence to say the contrary, he absolutely was not a celibate. (laughs) Nope. In fact, Das almost made Keith even shittier somehow. Like instead of fulfilling this deep need to like feed his ego, it made it bigger. Um, Which I think is... Like, it literally just makes me nauseous. And I'm so sorry, because I'm just going to... I know this whole series has sucked, but right here, I'm just going to throw in a little trigger warning. I don't... 
entirely know what to label it. It's not quite like sex abuse or anything, but it's just, it's really degrading and it really hurts my heart. Mm -hmm. So according to the Colts podcast, Lauren Salzman testified that for first line slaves, he would give them lectures. Um, And in these lectures, he would be fully clothed in a chair and the rest of the women or slaves were sitting on the ground below him entirely naked. What? And if he didn't think that someone was interested enough or paying enough attention, um, there were at least a few times that he fully would like fucking kick them on the ground. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, like, literally the power dynamics here make me so uncomfortable. Like, they make me... Like, innately nauseous. Like, I can't think about it without literally getting queasy. And that wasn't the grossest thing, though. It's pretty fucking gross. Mm-hmm. Keith dreamed big, that piece of shit. He got one of the other first-line saves, Rosa, to purchase a big mansion. She was well-to-do, like all of the women that he surrounded himself with, basically. Right. Um, Born into money or profiting from not Nexium. profiting from him. I think she was born into money because she certainly had more than Nexium would have created for one person. Okay. So he convinced her to buy this big old mansion, which is like, you, d- you don't think that's weird, right? Until you get to the fact that it had a really big basement and he was planning to create a sex slave dungeon in that basement. Um, so he's like psychopathic. Mm-hmm. No, it's ridiculous and so he is not attractive enough for this no there's nothing i don't get it i don't get it and again it's not that he's grotesque by any means and not saying that but he's just he's he's just so plain and where he claimed to just be the one to go without that he didn't have like the nicest clothes and nicest Mm -hmm. car and someone who's like we're gonna lead the world basically you'd think would just yeah have those things i don't know so it gets worse. Oh, good. Do you want to know how they were able to uh, prove that he was trying to make a sex dungeon in the bottom of this woman's home? Oh, I don't know. But I think you'll tell me anyway. Oh, it was just the thousands of dollars worth of BDSM sex toys that he bought for it. Mm. Including ball gags, shock collars, ankle shackles, and even a fucking cage. A fucking cage. And the thing is, is with him, his partners are really not consensual. I mean, no. sure... They are in that a gun isn't to their head, so to speak. But I mean, they don't have a way out. Many of them have all of their identification taken from them. They've been branded. They've been brainwashed and blackmailed. And they've been malnourished to the point that like your brain literally needs calories to survive. And they have to ask. I think their calorie budget was like 500 to 800 calories a day. Doesn't an infant need more than that? Yes. That's ridiculous. Like a full grown human is supposed to have between, I think it's 1200 if you're in weight loss and that's like minimum. Mm -hmm. 1500 calories if you're a grown woman is your like very, very minimum. And that's what your brain, like your organs need that just to exist, to survive. That's not any extra cushion for the pushing you know and so 800 calories like even on the top end of 800 that is so few that's like half of what you should be having on a good day so they were all incredibly thin and they all get that like i'm pretty sure you guys will know what i mean 
um, when I say it's like a bobblehead effect, like when you're so dangerously thin that your head looks too big for your body. Right. And that you're probably so weak that even like your, your movements are just sort of wonky. Mm-hmm. Ugh. All of them. Every single one. Oh. And Lauren later testified that that cage was about total humiliation that he said the point of it was that you could be in there for 10 seconds or 10 days the point is it's not up to you oh my god yeah can we put him in the cage i wish i hope we do um so i wanted to take this moment then to talk about lauren salzman Obviously, we've talked about some of her more egregious behavior, but like everyone in the story that isn't piece of shit Keith Raniere, she's also a victim. And I don't feel like I would be doing this justice if I didn't talk about all of the ways in which she struggled too, even though she also offended. Oh, she's totally a piece of shit also, though. Um, she comes around. She comes around. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, she was acting like a piece of shit here, but she doesn't have the... Um, looming title piece of shit. Okay. She hasn't like, hit in that. She range. doesn't have capital P O S. Correct. Lowercase. No, I would say like temporarily. I, it would be like circa era P O S Lauren Salzman. Okay. But where we are at right now. Yes. P O S. Okay. All right. So I'm right. Okay. For what I know. <laughs> so she got pulled into Nexium at like fucking 21 by her mom. Like, her mom Mom pulled her into this. Mom of the year. And I don't think Nancy knew the threat she brought her daughter into. Like, I just, I personally don't believe a mother could do that to her child. To be like, hey, yeah, I know this is a piece of shit and I love you. Let me bring you into this for funsies. But we know parents will do that. But if she had just decided to go to, like, Mm -hmm. Walgreens instead of that fucking supplement store to get a fucking laxative. Like, you haven't shit in a week. Go to the fucking doctor. Miralax. It's called Miralax and stop eating gluten. You're fine. Speaking from experience. Yeah. Um, no, from a friend. Yeah. Just heard it from a friend. <laughs> I don't know. But it's like the whole trajectory of this entire thing could have been different if this woman like literally made a pit stop somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And it's, or like had some fiber. Yeah. I don't know. Fiber one makes these great bars. Damn it, Nancy. No gluten. You're good. And they've got chocolate in them. Anyway. So I think that it's worth noting, like your mom pulls you into this. Your mom fully believes this guy. My mom would never do that. I know. (laughs) But like just putting yourself in that circumstance, I think she was. I I don't know how you wouldn't believe him. Mm. Your mom puts all this confidence in it. He does. It's the beginning of Nexium. So everybody's still really excited and it's fresh. And then she starts a relationship with him. Pretty soon thereafter. And I don't think that either of them knew this, but Keith did, just so we're recounting correctly here, have sex with both Nancy and Lauren. Yuck. So, just, I don't know. That's kind of icky. But Lauren was in love with him, like fully in love with him. And as Keith did, he floated in and out. Sometimes they were together. Sometimes she needed to work on taking addictions or ethical breaches or fucking whatever it was that he decided wasn't perfect. all had taking addictions, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And I don't want it to sound like I'm justifying what she did because, like I said, she had a piece of shit era. She did. Um, all but right, I'll give her that. Maybe she's not all bad. Lauren really wanted a baby. And, like, they'd been together for 17 years or something. What? Uh-huh. Wait, so how old is she at this point? Like, 40? 
Um, I mean, it started in 98 and this is 2015, 2016. Well, she was 20-ish at the time, we'll call it. Yeah. <laughs> so he took every one of those childbearing years. Um, and over a decade into their on-again, off-again relationship, Keith finally promised her a baby. And this piece of shit, Keith Ranieri, piece of shit, piece of shit. Um, I think the trade-off was he'd give her a baby if she had like a couple threesomes with him. Uh. Mm-hmm. So when she asked for a timeline, you want to know what this fucker said? What did this fucker say? He said, mm, like one to five years from now, we'll have a baby. I mean, wouldn't she be in her late 30s yes. at this point? Yes. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's not correct (laughs) you're asking a lot of your body the later you go yep and then shortly after they were playing their stupid late night volleyball one night right at like 3 a.m yes lauren her team won and you want to know what lauren did to celebrate she like jumped up and hugged one of her guy teammates Uh uh-oh but mr keith didn't like that So he said, um, it's disrespectful and awful and that basically she was acting like a whore and disrespected him and their unborn baby in so many words. Uh, And Lauren apologized profusely, profusely for jumping up and hugging a teammate after they won like 3 a.m. volleyball when she's probably not sleeping at all, you know, and she's malnourished and and exhausted. And this was something exciting. She probably was like, nice. That's the best part of my day. And then it's she gets the told she's... happened to her all year. Yeah. And she gets told she's being a fucking whore and like disrespecting her unborn child. My God. And like, listen, no, it doesn't matter how much she apologized. Nothing was enough. And we saw that with Daniela too. She mm-hmm. didn't do anything wrong and she got years of punishment, literally. But uh, don't worry. He told her that he was still having a baby, but with someone else. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. This woman is fucking 39 years old and has wanted children for decades, plural. I'd venture to say that this man, fu- like, him fucking with her childbearing years, and yes, I know that sounds antiquated. I just think it's so fucked up. Like... I don't know. I believe your body is your choice to do with whatever you feel is right. Whether that is having a baby, not having a baby, going to work, um, becoming an athlete or a gymnast. Like, I don't care. It's your fucking body. But if you want kids and certain dreams, there are timelines associated with those things. And there's only so much that our physical human body can do. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that it is so fucked up. It's just like another fucking way of taking away a child from a woman to promise that for her entire fertile life, basically. Yeah. And then to be like, well, you hugged someone after you won volleyball. So clearly you're a disrespectful mother and I can't have a kid with you. Oh, my God. After 17 years. Meanwhile, he's forcing other women to have abortions of his children. Mm -hmm. Okay. Correct. All right. And then he has a baby with someone else. And this piece of shit. He really did? He wasn't just Oh, yeah. No, he did. Um, By the way, this piece of shit, I can't describe. I don't know how he did this. Like, I think mind control must be real now. Hmm. Because after all of that, he still gets Lauren to fucking double down 
and be his sex slave with nothing, with no relationship, with no baby, and watching him raise a child with someone else. Mind control must be real. And by that, I mean cognitive dissonance is a hell of a drug. But like, what the fuck? I honestly, I don't know how he pulled it off. (laughs) No. Like, I'm glad he didn't. Like, we'll see at the end of this. He does. Like, he goes down for this. But like, what? How the fuck do you do that? Is Nancy Saltzman still in this? Yeah. So she's aware that her own daughter is like in a relationship with him and wants to have his baby. Don't know. And, it was never confirmed whether or not before the trials, either of them knew that the other one was ever with him. Oh, that's so naughty. Mm-hmm. Ew, it's icky. Yes. That's icky. Imagine finding that out with your mom. Ugh. At the same time, you find out all of this other shit. Actually, your mom is finding out all the other shit. You already know about the other shit. Ugh. Yeah. So I'm going to keep going a little bit, but I'm just going to put a little pin here and I'm going to skip forward into the summer and fall of 2017. Okay. This is where I want to pick up with Sarah. Okay. Hi, Sarah. Where we last left Sarah Edmondson. She had just discovered that the brand that was burned into her pelvis resembled the initials of Allison Mack as well as Keith Raniere. Something I learned after last episode was recorded was actually that the marks were so puffy and red after the initial branding that it took Sarah weeks to even see what it would look like on her body. Mm-hmm. Like, because it was probably not sterile and yeah. infected and if you have sloppy one cauterizing iron Ugh. and five women held down on a table. And with no anesthetic. It, yeah, and each stroke of it needs to be made. How much mm-hmm. of those were like jagged and And how much do you scream and move around while other people are holding you down? So it's like you're not gonna not flinch at that. Yep. I don't think you have a choice, even if you want to not flinch at that. Right. And you're having people hold you down, so everything's jerky. Like it took Sarah weeks to even know what it would look like. Yeah, that's upsetting. And Sarah's obviously freaking the fuck out and she tells her husband Nippy which I also just learned why he got called Nippy Mm -hmm. um so his middle name is Nippert um and they explain this yeah I know they explain this in their podcast they have one I'm going to shout out it's called a little bit culty and it's both her as well as him and it's kind of their like processing what happened how to get out of it how they're like kind of healing and going through therapy and things that are just a little bit culty. And I think it's really cute and it's like fun to see them together in a way that is healing and loving and not so like flight or flight Mm -hmm. or freeze or fawn or whatever. Mm -hmm. All those good adrenaline responses. So um, anyway, so Nippy, yeah, his middle name is Nipper. It's his mom's maiden name. Okay. So he ended up being called nippy because his dad was also an anthony ames and so his dad had the same name so they just called him nippy and he was like yeah it sucked as a kid but my brother's names were worse so i kind of got the lower end of the stick. okay so i was right it wasn't like a name it's yeah. a maiden yeah it's a yeah. last name all right yeah. never heard of it okay because nippy just doesn't really nope i don't get it you don't just like hold a newborn and hi little nippy nippy you know yeah, i was gonna say maybe nippy he was always here. cold but maybe um, that's what it was. I know that's what I always think of. But 
He seems to be okay with it. I'm going to keep calling him nippy. He seemed kind of on the fence about it when he was explaining it, but because it's how he responds and what he goes by, I'm just doing it. I like it. Um, Also, if his wife calls him that and people that aren't his wife call him that, I feel like that's a fine nickname for me to say. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. So she tells nippy. Um, and Sarah... After the branding ceremony goes back to Vancouver and it again, it took her weeks to see the initials on the pelvis. And that, if I remember correctly, was with a friend who found like the KR after she saw the AM. Mm-hmm. And that's when she tells Nippy. She's like, oh, right. <laughs> um, Sarah even says in an interview that it she woke up from that. It wasn't getting branded that woke her up. Mm. It wasn't being like non-consensually stripped naked in front of a bunch of acquaintances strapped down to a table where she was made to say master would you please brand me it would be an honor yeah fuck that that was recorded and chances are 11 out of 10 that it was sent to keith fucking ranieri of course it was um it wasn't that it took seeing initials burned into her flesh to do it Mm. and at this time Mark Visante, the filmmaker that introduced Sarah to Nexium, him and his wife Beth had already left. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they ended up leaving because Beth had seen how thin all of the women that were close to Keith were getting, and she was really concerned. And every time she would talk about it, like, I'm pretty sure she got told to pound sand, you know? Yeah. So she left, and then it took him, like, a little bit, And then he pretty much immediately afterwards left. (laughs) But it was kind of a big deal because he was really close to Keith. Like, Mark was the closest man to Keith Ranieri in this whole thing. Yeah. And I don't think he knew. Like, I think he was pretty fooled, too. Like, he talks a lot in The Vow, and he was like, we would just go for walks and talk about life and stuff. He didn't know how bad it was. Yeah. He had no idea. And so after his wife left and he followed, I'm pretty sure they got blacklisted like everybody else was. Yeah. Uh, but if I remember correctly, um, Mark and Beth also had to go through some weird shit. And it was probably just like one of the indoctrinated misogyny things in Janesse or Society of Protectors or whatever. But I think they were even saying at one point she did something wrong, like lie or probably eat a dessert somewhere. Mm. Um, And they ended up having her like sleep on the floor next to him in the bed. What the fuck? Which is just kind of fucked up. I don't know. Kind of. Worth saying. Yeah. And so the two left. But again, it was like a big deal. And I don't think anybody heard about why, because they did blacklist pretty much anybody who left. Like you couldn't talk about them. You couldn't say their name. And Sarah called knowing they had left and was like hoping for a friendly support. Mm-hmm. And boy, did she get it. I'm like snapping for Mark Visante. He is good in this. He's great. Yay. He's one of those that like. There are so many stories of people finding out about some of the shady shit and some of the weird shit and they'll go to talk to people and they'll be like, why are you questioning that? Why are you asking that? Why are you saying that? Why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. And like, even if they've left, even if they think it's gross, like they will not say anything and they just kind of condemn you for wondering about it. Mm -hmm. And there are also men that totally doubted 
anything to do with um, DOS because they were used to the collateral and the readiness drills from Society of Protectors. But it wasn't the same thing. It wasn't collateral of like, here's 100 bucks. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. It was like, hey, here's a video of me um, falsely telling you that my husband molests our child. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Different stakes. Very different stakes. Um, And so a bunch of the men just kind of like pushed it off as the same misogynistic bullshit they all heard in all of their classes, which is that women are weak and don't follow through. And if you put down collateral, it's on you if you lose it. Right. And also that women couldn't be trusted. Right. So if they're, se- you know, don't even believe them. Right. Because they're just weak and they want you to fix things for them. It's that taking addiction. Mm-hmm. I know. We're all born with it. But boy, I'm just so glad that Mark was so great with Sarah. In their phone call, this is when Mark, like, told her that he heard about women being forced to sleep with Keith. Mm-hmm. And Sarah was... And I think he knew very surface level about DOS. Like he knew women were being coerced to seduce him, but I don't think he knew much about like what the circumstances were. Mm -hmm. And so she was able to help fill him in on some of that. And they were both like, whoa, this is really bad. Yeah. So from there, Sarah was like sick. I need to talk to Nippy and we got to come up with a plan. Cause they both knew that it is no quick, safe or easy task to leave a cult. Nope. Particularly one that you've been in for over a decade. Sure, yeah. You know? Everything about your life is enmeshed in it. Yeah, I mean, her fucking wedding. Keith Raniere wrote her vows. Oh, God. He wrote both of their vows. But, like, you know what I mean? Oh, sweetheart. I know. Oh, my sweetheart. They promise to love you forever until you disobey me or eat this earth. Um, I don't know when my Keith Raniere voice turned into Kermit the Frog, but he is... They're so, the same so now. Annoying. That's it. Yeah, They're damn. The same. He's a fucking muppet. <laughs> so, anyway, it was some sticky shit they were in, for real. And Sarah authored a book called Scarred, which, by the way, I hope you all read. It's very good. And they also have a podcast, like I said, a little bit culty with Sarah and Nippy, where they both talk about it. So you can definitely become very familiar with her story. She's very vocal. Also, like freaking beautiful and it's just wonderful to see their relationship blossom after all of this right like this is not the end for them and if I remember right and I'm just saying this because I think it's cute I think I remember this right her and him did like a re like a vow renewal or something like that afterwards where they both wrote their own vows and made it not so nexium centered Mm. which I was like oh good you deserve that like (laughs) yeah you actually need a real wedding that wasn't cult wedding Mm mm-hmm so nonetheless, we're going to talk about how Sarah Edmondson took this shit down. Tell me everything. So Sarah and Nippy came up with this plan. Sarah went back to Vancouver and packed up their home. And now this is in the summer again. This is 2017. And I don't know if I mentioned it before, but did I talk about Vanguard Week or V Week? No. Okay. I didn't because it's not huge, but it's pertinent here. So V Week is essentially one big conference week where all of the different Nexium or ESP centers get together. And it's kind of like adult summer camp. Mm-hmm. This is also, by the way, a different kind of cult tactic where they just keep you so busy and so entertained and so excited and so like dopamine filled that you don't question anything that's going on. Um, and also, obviously, they're sleep deprived. There's shit happening 28, 8. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> all day, every day. And then some. And so V-Week was also Keith Raniere's birthday. 
So like all of the different centers would put on like little shows or like sing a song for him or do a dance or something. To God, be he's, like, not a, he's not a god. I, well, they treat him like it. He's the philosophical founder of the thing that changed their life. <laughs> and so I think this is what they're talking about because it always happens in the summer. It happens yearly. And Sarah doesn't go to it. And she had to have a reason not to. She had to like come up with an excuse to not be there. And so Sarah had gone back to Vancouver where her and Nippy lived and she packed up their entire house. And then she took their belongings and child on a 10 hour train ride to Toronto. And she said her adrenaline was pumping and it was like one of the most stressful days of her life. And I don't doubt it. I feel so bad for most women traveling alone with children. Like that seems overwhelming, especially when they're really young, which there's their child was their son was like maybe two at this time max so she's moving with like a bunch of their shit and a two-year-old on the run from a cult (laughs) yeah stressy hope Um, she got her dunks hope so or or tim hortons that's canada right is that what it is what's that about so anyway (laughs) um she said she was so worried the whole time that like someone was following her or like sent after her or that she might just look at her phone and her collateral would be posted online, which just has to be like the worst sinking feeling to be like, if I search my name, what'll show up? If I search my name, what'll show up? Well, and for that, it's really not if it's when. Right. And for her, she was one of those people that like, she joked in one of the documentaries. She was like, my secrets weren't bad enough. I had to lie to them. Like they asked me to make stuff up and send it in. Right. So for her, she literally had claims about her mom. She had false claims about her husband. And she told all of these people, she was like, I'm so sorry. This is the circumstance. This is what happened. But like, I'm so sorry. I'm Mm. scared. And they were all really great. She's got a better relationship with her mom now and, you know, all of that. But that's still, like, terrifying to be the one on the camera saying those false things about people you love that can wreck all of your lives. Yeah. Like, it's no longer just her. So, anyway, um, Sarah couldn't just up and leave. And she couldn't tell Nexium or Doss what she was doing. So, her cover story was that her grandfather who did have cancer was like probably about to pass in Toronto. And so as far as Lauren knew, as far as anybody knew, she was just going to take care of her grandfather and like spend time with him basically. And they allowed that. How nice. I know. Isn't that kind. And so that's why she was doing that instead of like the annual summit in Albany. Mm -hmm. And since the whole organization was so secretive and DOS even more so, she didn't, even know who was in it so like if someone from the vancouver center happened to be in toronto is that a coincidence is that someone from dos being sent after her she'll she'd have no idea she would because i mean really all you know is your master and then whenever you get together with your like masters quote unquote other slaves or your sisters those Mm -hmm. are the only people you know about Right. So you don't know about their slaves or your master's master or the other slaves in your master's line. Right. Um, and so Sarah summed it up what was going on in this train in her brain. And I thought it was just like too concise to pass up telling you guys. But she said she believed that one, Keith, piece of shit, Ranieri, ran DOS. Two, Keith was Lauren's master. Three, 
she had his initials on her body, and four, she believed Lauren lied about all of it. And Sarah's the most stressed about the fact that another branding ceremony was scheduled for the next week. For the next round of women? Yeah. I think including her slaves. Oh. And so she's like, she's just freaking out. She's like, I don't know how to get this to stop. I don't know who's in it. I don't know who's supposed to be going. I can't track that down. I certainly can't tell them why I want to know who's going. Right. And so she's, I feel like she must have popped like 18 grays from that day alone. Like, (laughs) I know that's so much. And so the issue was this relentless pursuit of defectors from Nexium, right? So Sarah and Nippy were big. They were like the it couple. They've been referred to as like the Jay-Z and Beyonce of Nexium. Oh, my God. By so many people. Just like they were the higher ups. They did what, you know, they were perfect. They did the things. Mm. And the two of them were perfect and high in Nexium together. And they had their Nexium little life. So yeah, like he's Keith's right hand man. and Right. So star couple, they wanted to leave all of that quietly to avoid the pain and the stress that other higher up defectors faced, like Barbara or Tony with the relentless suing and constant like legal battles. I even found out, by the way, that Keith ended up firing like a random Nexium employee. His name is Frank. And if you look up anything on Nexium, you'll find a lot from the Frank report. Um, well, that's the Frank. And Keith ended up suing him, like, an insane amount. And I think it was all things like, he's lying about this. Mm. And then the guy would have to pull records from years and years and years worth of paperwork to be like, no, I'm not. Oh, no. And it's always shit like that. So it's so intensive. It's so many legal battles. And it's just to wear you out. There's not currently a number of cases that is a max for someone to hit. So if they wanted to throw in a thousand lawsuits on one day, they could. Yeah. Um, Not good. Not good. No, not good at all. So Sarah's on this train. Nippy goes to Albany to be at the conference. Nippy states that at the summit, there's a ton of people, like at least 100 Nexia members mm-hmm. from Canada, U.S., Mexico, all over. Jesus. And Nippy tapes his exchange secretly. I think he like, I don't know if it's an audio recording or like a video that he just sticks his phone in his pocket and has it like sticking out so you can hear it. Ooh. But I love it. I love a secret scheme. Mm-hmm. So he's recording and he goes up to Lauren and Jim Jim is an advisor and also runs the SOP groups with Nippy. Mm -hmm. And so they're literally like in the middle of everyone and Nippy's flipping the fuck out. He like is yelling at Laura and he's like, Sarah got fucking branded, branded. So he's like freaking out. And Jim, uh, you can kind of hear it in the background. And he's like, well, what did she say about it? Okay. First of all, that's not the fucking reaction to my wife got branded. Nope. Nope. Um, but Nippy is not letting it slide and I love it. He's like, I'm not okay with it. It's criminal. And Jim starts to like retort again. And Nippy's like, don't wrap your head around it. Don't try to make this okay. Right. It's not okay. I'm not, I'm out. And there's like a little bit left in that video. If you look it up, it's like pretty easy to find. Mm -hmm. But I love that he, in the middle of 
everything and like very intentionally he's like if you want to help people it's not by branding my fucking wife Doss is a fucking sex ring and engaged in illegal activity and he said it loud enough for everyone to hear him on purpose Ooh. nippy calls it a strategic temper tantrum i like it he was like i was that mad anyway but i really had to make sure i knew what i was doing and where i was doing it yeah, he needed to say the buzzwords to get everyone's attention and mm-hmm. say it loud enough that important people would hear it at an event that he was supposed to be at anyway that sarah was just you know out helping her grandfather like right. that's why she wasn't there and so sarah knew about this and it was part of the plan so don't worry mm-hmm. they were going to do a nexium flip to use philosophy to help them leave basically and this is actually a pretty well known plan to leave a cult you're supposed to use their issues with you to leave so it fits their narrative oh so for them a nexium flip was like as Janess and sop and nexium and s the esp all of that fucking shit right Mm -hmm. indoctrinated all of this misogyny into everyone sarah and nippy were going to use that to their advantage Mm -hmm. so essentially sarah was going to be dependent and weak like her womanly traits and their plan was to play it off like sarah was acting based off of those flaws to choose nippy over nexium okay which i love okay so sarah calls lauren and sarah calls lauren panicking sarah keeps saying she's freaking out because nippy wants a divorce that he found out about the brand and said if she had one didn't tell him that he would divorce her and that she really needs to like take a second and she's really freaked out Mm -hmm. and like keep in mind lauren and sarah are best friends for 12 years yeah lauren married her and nippy yeah lauren i think was the godmother of her child Mm. like close like so fucking close and honestly i think this is the relationship that hurts my heart the most because i'm like i can't imagine getting to 12 years of friendship with someone and to be at that point to find out that they lied to you about all this mm-hmm. like the betrayal trauma hello oh yeah so bad so anyway she's just panicking and sarah is trying to play up this role like hoping that her best friend doesn't call her bluff you know the right. other thing is like they know you so you're trying not to be notably lying from the person that would know it the best right right and they're going back and forth and Sarah's really just trying to get information as well as play it up that she's freaking out. Right. And so Sarah point blank asks, she's like, is Keith a part of this? And Lauren's response was, it's not something we discuss, Sarah. Uh, Not no, not shit. Maybe even though she already knew. Yeah. Right. Piece of shit era TM. Like this is her era. Uh, Yeah. Um, and so it just like ah, it hurts my heart to know that and to know that Keith was her master and knew that she knew all of this shit and that you could look in the eyes of your best friend and be like, that's not something we discuss. And so condescendingly, to, I don't know. Yeah. Because it's like you married your best friend. Mm-hmm. You were, you know, present in their wedding and the wedding party. You watched them take Mm -hmm. their vows you watched them turn into like a couple of kids in love to having kids themselves you watched all of that 
And then you recruit her into this weird sex cult trafficking thing. Yep. Make her lie on camera so that there's blackmail. And then you're part of the scheme that's going to make her try to seduce this other man while she's married. Yep. But that's not something we discussed, Sarah. How is that not capital POS territory? It is, it is POS era. Okay. Era... It's a long time. I'm but looking it's an era. forward to the redemption part. Yes, it will come. It's not here. Okay, but it will happen. Mm-hmm. All right. So Sarah knows that it's a lie, obviously. And as she's trying to pull more, she asks about the brand and all of that. And basically, what she finds out from Lauren is that she says he knew about the branding but didn't cause it. And then the girls designed the brand, not Keith. And that was the story every single fucking day oh, up shit. until this trial. Shit. By the way, this phone call is so hard to listen to. It's so hard to listen to. Mm. It's in episode five of the Escaping Nexium podcast titled Blow It Up. Um, you can hear how tense both of these women are. And it's this really sad thing, knowing all of this background to like, you can hear the care. You know that they're friends. They have enough, like, it's an easy ebb and flow. But they're both so tense and so panicked. And then in the middle of this, and it like makes my little heart hurt. Um, Sarah's son, who is like no more than two or three, starts saying in the background, like, Mom, I love you. I love you. I love you, Mom. Mm. And Sarah's response was that she thinks that he just could sense how stressed she was and that he wanted to make her feel better. And then Lauren obviously hears it on the other line and she's like laughing and she's like, oh, what a cutie. And you're like fuck like the history there the betrayal of that i know to be your best i know and lauren like promises sarah by the end of it that she's going to delete her collateral nobody else has it and as far as i know nothing was ever released so i think that was true okay um and sarah just says i'm so sorry lauren i don't want to do this anymore it's not what i signed up for and they both like get off the phone quick like it was like okay love you bye okay bye love you okay all right talk to you later bye and it's just like uncomfortable but um lauren ends up saying like we were supposed to build something beautiful not a terrible experience and sarah's last response was basically just i just want to be normal friends with you i need to step back and i think that was definitely the healthy choice like that was the right thing and Mm -hmm. i think that through all of this hurt Sarah processed a lot before anybody else did because she kind of got thrown into the wilderness. Mm. And so Sarah knew that Keith 100% knew about DOS now. That was confirmed. He knew about it, but he didn't cause it. Okay, so he knew about it. But didn't he cause it? Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, all right. So she also, though, had secured their cover story. Lauren could tell she was freaking out and she only equated the freaking out to nippy. It was not about whether or not Keith was involved. It was what will my husband think, Mm. which I think she played off well. And so taking care of her ill, Lauren thinks she's taking care of her ill grandfather. Sarah learns more. And just like the more she learns, the harder and harder it is for her to stay quiet and like under wraps. Right. So Jen Cobalt, the woman, by the way, who was in the fright studies, the one where she had to like sit in that room with a creepy doctor and watch people die. Mm-hmm. Um, Jen sees in a group chat from Nexium that Sarah and Nippy left, which was like huge. And so Jen calls Sarah and she's like, 
hey, what's up? And Sarah was at a Whole Foods, but she just starts grilling her. Do you know about this organization? Has anybody asked you about it? Are you invited to anything coming up soon? Like trying to make sure that this person that was her friend is not going to get branded in a few days. Right. You know? And so Jen luckily was not in DOS and she didn't know about it until right after that call by the way, which is when like three of her friends came up to her and tried to recruit her at the same time. But she knew enough to say no. Yeah. Because of that. Because of that phone call. Okay. So like snaps for Sarah. Um, But Jen also says that Sarah, like in the middle of this Whole Foods, just started screaming that mother fucker on the phone. And I'm like, I'm for it. (laughs) This is the breakdown century. I love it. Um, So Sarah's learning more and more. And she calls her three slaves from DOS. And I want to be fair here because she only recruited one. She did recruit one, but she only recruited one. The other two were recruited by Allison Mack and Lauren Salzman, um, who then placed those slaves under Sarah. And Sarah says that she was like really overwhelmed by it and not comfortable at all, especially after they forced her to collect collateral from them, too. Right. And so she wasn't really going to say anything to anybody else, but she did call the three of them to be like, hey, uh, please don't do this. Please don't get branded. It's Keith's initials. This is not okay. Yeah, it's not this tribal thing. It's not this... Right. You know, fucking... Don't let them tell you it's a tattoo. They told her it was a tattoo. Yeah, it's And not then branded her entire hip. Sorority, like, fun little... Yeah. I don't know. Symbol to get. Yeah, not that. So more and more women then leave DOS. Okay. Jen said... That no one's there to fuck you, Keith. Mm-hmm. Suck ass. Bye. So basically, Sarah, for anybody that left that reached out to her, I actually thought this was like really cute. She sent it to Jen and also the three slaves that she had. And then I think maybe a couple other people that reached out. But she had this like material of therapy stuff that she used to quote unquote like deprogram from the cult. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of like this. Congrats. You're out of a cult care package, which I just think is cute and weird but i love it um and so for all the harm that sarah had done because sarah recruited tons of people in anexium like sarah was the top recruiter for anexium um because she believed in it and she really thought like you know she'd found her husband there she found her best friend there like that was her entire community and so for her she's selling this thing that she's living out and then it slowly gets poisoned and twisted and turned And Sarah always says she feels responsible for setting women up, but not guilty because she didn't do the thing to them. And she didn't know she was asking them to do that thing. Right. But she felt like it was so much of her responsibility for bringing them in in the first place that that's when she started calling people. She was like, I'm so sorry. You got to get out of this. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm so sorry I did this. I didn't know this is what I was doing. But here's what we can do if you're interested. And so. Sarah is a good person, even though she did a bad thing. Like, I think that the thing about this story but that what is touches that she did me that was bad. I think that it was really just all of the recruiting and like some of the tactics they'd use yeah. because anyone in Nexium, because remember, Nexium is also like a fucking pyramid scheme. Right. So anybody who recruits people gets part of their proceeds. And so some of the recruitment tactics were considered to be like guilt trippy or harassment. False advertising. Correct. <laughs> um, The whole damn thing is a racketeering charge in and of itself. But anyway, so even though she did that thing, when she woke up, she did the thing. 
Like right. she made it happen. She got people better out informed at least. Yes. And so I just think that this case shows a lot about how redemption happens when you realize what you've done. Because so many of these women are victims before they're offenders. Mm-hmm. And when they're offending, it's okay. Do you actually realize what you did? And how are we going to work on that? Right. So Sarah, she's good. I, Sarah's a good person. She did the thing. She also says that she was fucking livid. And I'm sure there's part of her that always will be. But it took less than a week of her calling people for the higher ups at Nexium to find out. Of course. And then it was. It takes one person to rat on her. Mm-hmm. And her cover's over. Everything. Yep. Over. And so the cult severed ties violently and fast. She couldn't call Lauren. Lauren wouldn't talk to her. Like your best friend of 12 years won't even call you to be like, how are you? Nope. Your grandpa's dying, right? None of that shit. And so um, the thing that Sarah says was the worst part of it was that Lauren called a bunch of people like they were both calling people. Sarah was calling to be like, hey, DOS is not what it said. Like, you need to beware. Get out of this. This Mm -hmm. isn't okay." And Lauren was calling and literally being like, don't listen to Sarah. She's just like jealous and trying to take it for herself. Everything was consensual. She knew exactly what she was getting into. Um, and like, nope, no, she fucking didn't, but we'll move on. So the events that lead to the arrest are a blur, Hmm. but essentially the story breaks. And so the FBI fucking picks it up. Um, and this is with the help of India Oxenberg's mother, Catherine Oxenberg, who literally is talking wherever she can. And if Catherine Oxenberg sounds familiar, yeah, that's because she was on Dynasty, babe. But anyway, Catherine Oxenberg, the actress on Dynasty, her mother is the princess of Yugoslavia and India is in Das. India, her child is in Das. And so she's like out there trying to be like, hey, my kid won't talk to me right now because she's in a cult. Um, Please shut this cult down. And Sarah comes out with all of this. And then a New York Times article gets posted with Sarah's brand and the FBI takes it. Yeah. And I'm like, woohoo, timing is so important. (laughs) But so October of 2017, the New York Times expose comes out. Mm. And it should be no surprise to you then that by November of 2017 <clears throat> four weeks later at max keith fucking ranieri is in mexico mm. mm-hmm. so the news articles start coming out and nexium is running around like a chicken coop with their entire collective heads cut off <laughs> some people double down some flee but keith goes down to mexico to be exact keith went down to mexico with claire bromfman the heiress to the Seagram's fortune who had like billions of trillions of dollars. Right. Um, that Keith just like lost $65 million of whoopsies. Yeah, that hurts. Um, and I know I like to give a little more context before I throw in an interview quote, but just so you understand how this man saw himself in episode three of Nexium's inner circle series from the infamous podcast, the host actually speaks with Keith and she asks directly and explicitly if he went to Mexico because he thought there would be an indictment in the States. Keith said, I mean, no, I haven't been subpoenaed to anything. Bullshit. So I said, just to break down this absolute fucking delusion of a sentence, 
Uh, number one, an indictment is a formal charge. So in the American criminal justice system, if you didn't know, the process usually goes like this. There's an arrest, which means law enforcement has probable cause to believe that you committed the crime. Then if prosecution thinks it's worth pursuing and there's enough evidence, there's an indictment. And this is where you get formally given the charges filed against you. And then, by the way, there's like bail. And that's a little tricky because sometimes they do that at a separate hearing and everything. But basically all of this is to say his first statement is nuts because he would know if there was an indictment before he got subpoenaed. And also if he did in fact get an indictment, all of that is after the fucking arrest. So did he leave because he thought there was going to be an indictment and he hasn't been subpoenaed? I would say if his initial reaction is I haven't been subpoenaed, he fucking knows there's an indictment because subpoenas don't come until after so he can go fuck himself anyway now the smartest man in the world is claiming that he didn't leave to go to mexico because he wasn't subpoenaed anywhere which like good that's illegal but that's not a reason to leave Mm -hmm. so in the same interview keith states that there are people scared for him to go back to his neighborhood keith says he's worried that people are so hateful and that he lives under the poverty line lmao um and a simple life and let me be fucking clear here he may not have made the money himself but it was spent on him regardless whether it was over a million dollars that he took from barbara or her whole entire fucking life savings to be more specific or the 50 million that he lost from the Bromfmans. It doesn't matter. It was for him. It was spent on him. So I don't care if he earned it. Right. He didn't live a poor lifestyle. Not even a little bit. And I don't buy this shit one bit. I really don't like you're going to tell me that the reason you left is because you're afraid that your community, which by the way is entirely made up of Nexium people is so hateful the people that you just spent 17 years claiming you fixed with your stupid ass misogyny bullshit. Right. You just got somebody to purchase a mansion to change the bo- the, the fucking basement into a sex trafficking dungeon. Mm-hmm. Like you're the evil. You're mm-hmm. you're the animosity there. I don't think that the other people are who you need to worry about right now, Keith. Um, <clears throat> so here's the literal insanity of this arrest. I'm just going to paint the picture for you because I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. It's March 2018, and Keith is in a little beautiful mansion with Lauren and Allison and Claire. So Mm -hmm. Lauren Salzman, Allison, Matt, Claire Bronfman. Keith thought that after all of the insanity, it was only right for them to have a recommitment ceremony for the DOS members that were still involved. A recommitment Mm -hmm. ceremony? And if you're wondering what that might look like, or if it means that everybody gets a new colored sash. Yeah, remember when that was the weird part of this story? the sashes um well let me tell you it wasn't sashes and it wasn't crossing a weird bridge and you know clicking your heels three times to go home um it was in fact just a group blowjob oh yeah i'm sorry can you say that again Uh, the recommitment ceremony Mm -hmm. would be every sex slave that he has Mm -hmm. just giving him a blowjob to which i said and i'm sorry mom dad close your ears um can't this man just fucking come in a sock like one time <laughs> like one time and <laughs> his whole life can he just rub one out himself i please? know where's the lotion get him a tissue i don't care why why do 50 women need to give you a blowjob i know sorry i'm getting heated so <laughs> but not only that but like no offense no offense yeah and mom and dad turn this off yeah um <laughs> 
there's no way this guy's packing meat big enough that 50 <laughs> fucking people you know what i'm saying yep. like however many people there are so like say let's just say there's 10 we'll yep. lowball them yeah all right okay one of them's doing that are nine of them like looking at their hands or, yeah like what are y'all waiting for everybody's like, got like a finger on, like, like you know what i mean it's yeah. just like what do you mm-hmm. like how do you do a group blow job with is 50 there a, women? is there a line <laughs> Does he move? Do they move to him? Right. Are they um, sitting crisscross applesauce while they like wait? Are they like stacked up on each other like a little cheerleading pyramid and he's like on a trampoline just like bouncing? Is it, like, is it like duck, duck, goose? You like get tapped in and then you get up <laughs> and you run around and then you go get like... And if you sit down first, you don't get raped by the man that blackmailed you into the sex call. What or? are the logistics of this? How did they uh, go into this room Yeah, and nobody looked around and was like the fuck am i doing so this is before the recommitment ceremony this is like when the first line slaves come down you know because it's the three of them they're tight um claire allison lauren and then there's a few others in that first initial circle Mm -hmm. and i think they were planning to come down but hadn't gotten there yet okay so it's just kind of them like hanging out in mexico you know okay and (sighs) keith thought okay he was just going to like chill out until everybody could come down and blow him because he's fucking Keith Raniere. Um, and so the Mexican federales come in. Okay. And Allison Mack runs in saying that they're here. Okay. She's like, Oh yeah, the federal, like the Mexican feds are here. Ah. Yep. And Lauren's in the kitchen. She's making a little smoothie. She's probably throwing some like coconut water and spinach and like pineapple and shit in a blend jet. She's allowed to eat. Interesting. Uh, well, all of those things have like, 40 calories so <laughs> i'm sure she still had room for a whole other smoothie that day um but she's making this thing and i just want to explain how i heard it because i think this was so delightful she runs up to his room to let him know mm-hmm. like he's up there i'm pretty sure he's either like jacking off or like reading a random sci-fi book <laughs> and claiming it's like the secret to owning the universe but she runs up there and lets him know and I just want to explain how I heard this because I think it's really poetic. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe it was in the Colts podcast in the last episode. And Keith, the smartest and most ethical man in the world who's done nothing wrong, who preaches how weak women are and how strong men are and the responsibility that comes with strength and protection. That Keith, he hides in the fucking closet and cowards like a little fucking boy. (laughs) (laughs) So Lauren's not in the closet. Lauren's just in the room when the feds come up. Oh, my God. And they're like, uh, can we talk? And she's like, sure, we can talk. And so she's talking to him. They're standing in the doorway and they're going back and forth. And I'm pretty sure this whole time, like all I see in my head is just her debating in her head. Do I do it? Mm -hmm. Do I do it? Do I do it? And she does. So in the middle of this conversation, she calls out to Keith telling the Mexican feds that he's in the room. Ooh. They run over. They grab him. Um, and they came right the fuck in and arrested that little punk ass bitch. <laughs> but it's like showering in the closet. Like <laughs> she had to be literally backed into a corner mm-hmm. before she was willing to do what was right. And what her own ass had to be on the line. It wasn't to help anybody else. It was literally to probably use it to benefit her later. Well, here's the thing. What's wild to me is like they don't arrest anybody else there. 
Mm-hmm. It's just about Keith. Um, and it's fascinating to me that like after everything she'd been through, like, yes, it does take until somebody else backs her into a corner for her to be like, I'll do the right thing. Mm-hmm. But I really, I don't know what he had on her. I really don't because I don't know how anybody in sound mind and body says we've been together for 17 years you've strung me along promised me children and then abused me and all of my friends instead Mm -hmm. that's the man I want to be with like Tim I don't know what he had but that just doesn't logically make sense no but it was also years and years and years of cult indoctrination yeah manipulation and brainwash and everything like that I mean I can it's not that I can't understand how it can happen but right at no other step of the way did she reflect. Yeah, but I think that also makes sense. And we'll talk a little bit about it later. I have just some tidbits here at the end of us. At the end of us. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> terrifying. Oh, at fucking the ca- scary. Ooh. End of this. Mm. <laughs> that just talks about um, all of the different tactics that cults will use. And mm-hmm. specifically with Nexium, I think it's a niche because their whole projected message is that if you have an issue with it you're the issue and we need to fix that we're not the issue your reaction is and so I think she probably just fucking turned it off like just turn off reactions do what you're told Mm -hmm. like it's kind of similar to in my mind it's almost similar to the Daniela thing where her parents were against her so even if she left the room like what is she going to have? What does she have left, right? Lauren's mom fucking made this thing. The man that she poured decades into runs this thing. Yeah, I guess. So, like, I don't know. She's a real piece of shit for a hot minute there, but she does come around. But I just want to put in a quick side note. Mm-hmm. It's not a big spoiler, but it is a little spoiler. Um, it comes out in the trial process that Keith actually set up a scheme that he had been, like, working on for years like I think it was three years against Barbara Boucher and one other woman who had deflected from Nexium. Mm-hmm. and he was going to like invite them down to Mexico not of like truthfully him telling them that he's inviting them down mm-hmm. but where he's just like something happens and they have to go to Me- like Mexico and then once they were going to go to Mexico he was going to get all of the higher up like ESP Nexium people in Mexico to get them arrested and imprisoned Oh, fuck. So if they crossed the border, they were SOL. Oh, what a dick. He's such a dick. And so I just like it. I think it's really cute that he's the one that ended up getting arrested in Mexico. Yeah, right. I think that's a really cute look for this. (laughs) Love it. And I'm also really glad that he was the one in cuffs the next time he saw Tony and Natalie. Okay, that's it. Hmm. Um, We're going to go to the court. Okay. So before we fully get to this court case, I'll describe just a little bit of what happened in here. First, Keith is brought back to the States. I believe it's Texas before he's transferred back to New York, but we end up in New York for the court case. Mm -hmm. He is charged with like eight or 12 different charges, a combination of racketeering charges or essentially like fraud business, um, sex trafficking charges, forced labor, conspiracy, exploitation, like a whole fucking bunch of shit. And so for anyone unfamiliar with how charges work, there are usually quite a few. Like normally you get charged with more than you usually get found guilty of. And that's like, if you did this thing, we're going to charge you with conspiracy to do it and the crime of doing it so that if you didn't actually do it, we're still getting you on the fact that you intended to. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there was like a ton of charges. 
But they all had to do with those same sex trafficking, exploitation, racketeering, the whole thing. And so it should come as no surprise that Keith's entire circle, or Keith's entire inner circle at least, was arrested then shortly thereafter. Allison Mack was arrested in April of 2018. She was also given and paid, by the way, a $5 million bond, which is the highest I think they said it had been set at that time, uh, just so that she could be on house arrest until her trial. The others were a bit later in July of 2018, including Claire Bronfman, Nancy and Lauren Salzman, as well as Kathy Russell, who honestly didn't come up in most of the things. And we haven't talked about her. I'll add just a tiny tidbit when she gets sentenced. But Mm -hmm. all of these people are then like immediately charged after. And now look, I'm about to use British slang and I don't normally do that. But watch Ted Lasso. But this is honestly the best insult I have for this fucker. (laughs) Do you remember when I said that Keith piece of shit? Ranieri's attorney was also a piece of shit. Yes. Um, well, this fucking Muppet of a man, Mark Agnifilo, is honestly, oh, he's so gross. He's not just as bad, but he's just as gross, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so not only has he publicly stated that everything was consensual. He's been like all of these were consensual. Um, I've seen like quite a few interviews of him and Is he saying that Keith is innocent or did nothing wrong? Like, technically for a while, yes, but he later lets up on that. He's like, well, there's some things. And I'm like, you mean (laughs) everything. Um, But ultimately ends up conceding somewhere along the lines of, his sex life isn't normal and you can't put him in prison for that. To which what a defense attorney does. To which I say, um, if the reason it isn't normal is because he's raping teens while he's in his 40s and then blackmailing hit them into being his sex slave where he then forces them to get abortions. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm, that is a reason to put him in prison. Yeah. Oh, correct. Yes. And you and I um, agree with that. And if it's weird because he's polyamorous, I don't think he'd be in prison for that. So that's not really illegal in our books there. Mark Agnifilo, you fucking Muppet. Mm. <clears throat> piece of shit and he was oh my gosh he like kind of dodes on him in interviews it makes me really uncomfy that's a defense attorney damn it those are the really expensive ones they're the really good ones but yes. i'm like listen Mrs. i want to be a defense attorney there you I go i didn't say i wanted to i said if i had to i'd pick well, that over and i wouldn't be one that people wanted to pay a lot for so there's <laughs> that you'd be a cheap date is that i would yeah saying? i'd be doing my civic duty i wouldn't be like hell yes i can't wait twerk up on me <laughs> like no no i'd be like you fucking did this right this and they'd guy be like, would no. be your colleague okay no he would not well i have colleagues right now that i don't associate as my colleagues he would not be my colleague i don't <laughs> care if we worked next to each other at the same room i would not <laughs> anyway so Nonetheless, Keith was not given bail and he was held pretrial, which is great since he is, in fact, a very obvious flight risk, but also because he is the literal worst piece of shit. Um, Then Nexium shuts its doors in June of 2018. Thank Christ. Hooray. 20 fucking years. That's a long run. That's a long run for really fucked up shit. Yeah. Um, but don't worry, there are still self-proclaimed Nexium and DOS members still out there today. Now? Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll talk more about them soon, too. Oh, good. Good, 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 good. So after the other women were also arrested, some things started to fall into place. Allison Mack obviously pled not guilty because she was held before trial, so she was going to have a trial. Um, Nancy Salzman did, though. 
And Nancy Salzman took full responsibility. And this is where we start to see the Salzman redemption. Okay. Um, like I think a collective Salzman. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think it's really important to talk about this because like I said, everybody makes mistakes and some mistakes. Everybody has those days. Everybody knows what, what I'm talking about. <laughs> it like almost has a ring to it. Almost. Mm. So like I said, I think everybody can do really shitty things and obviously Pun intended. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think that this shitty thing was exacerbated not only by the Miralax, but obviously by, uh, honestly, Nancy Salzman's really sad. I'll be real. Everything that I watched in it, and like she can't be happy. Well, no, but I just mean like it's sad. Like she was on house arrest, I think, when the vow was being made. So they did a lot of interviews with her, and like, yeah, she did fucked up shit, and she should not have been practicing. She's like, Want to see my anklet? Yeah, she's like, uh, it's really cute. Um, but she like she cries a lot. She's just like, I did not see any of this, and like, I believe her, like. Did she think it was okay for her to pretend to be a therapist? I don't think she thought that. But, like, I do think that she was pretty fooled by him. But I want to talk about how she apologized because, you know, um, saying sorry doesn't count, (laughs) you know. And she took full responsibility. And I think it's so interesting of her to say because she fully, like, in court, she said, some of the things I did weren't just wrong, but they were fully criminal and took so much responsibility. She did a victim impact statement at court when Lauren was getting charged where she was like, listen, if it weren't for me, Lauren wouldn't even be here. And I perpetuated this and I reaped the benefits of this and I kept it going. And I think that her being able to say those things and recognize what she did and still try to take responsibility and fix whatever she could fix is mm-hmm. worth saying. Um, I also want it to be known here that Lauren also became a pertinent witness in Keith's downfall and was a quote unquote invaluable witness for prosecution. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not long after Lauren starts to help prosecution that Allison then changes her plea to guilty. But just of racketeering. All right. It's something, though. So at the trial, the trial starts on May 7th of 2019 in Brooklyn's federal district court. Um, By this time, prosecutors got word that Keith had naked photos of one of the victims at age 15. Mm -hmm. This is Camilla, Daniela's sister. Remember how he, like, fucked all three sisters of the same family and got them all pregnant and all of them aborted? Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, That. So Camilla who he pretty much just kept in his own arm's reach. She was definitely a minor when they started having sex. And he had still to that day, multiple naked photos of her as like, well under a minor. Well, that's not appropriate. Yeah. And, um, I'm just going to say here, cause I don't bring up Camilla again in this. Camilla was, we think his first slave in DOS. Oh. Um, and she did not end up getting branded, but he tried and he pitched it to her first. He was like, would you like, I think you should get a slave of your own. Um, what would you say to like a brand? And she was like, like fucking cattle. 
And he was like, what, you don't want to burn for me? And she said, no. I'm surprised she was given the choice. Literally. Well, I think that's because it was the first try. Yeah. And then I think he was like, oh, yeah, maybe people won't want to do that without me coercing them. Hmm. So um, all my heart goes out to Camilla. She dealt with so much shit from all of this. I mean, all three of those sisters did. And everybody pretty much in DOS and Nexium as a whole dealt with a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, even though a lot of people in Nexium didn't know about DOS. But still. Is a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. So going up against piece of shit Keith Raniere and piece of shit Mark Agnifilo, um, they went up against the assistant U.S. attorney, Tanya Hajar, um, which is she's just like a badass little thing. Mm-hmm. She totally knocks us out of the park. And so plenty of witnesses came forward. In fact, so many that we simply would never have time to do another topic on this podcast if I went into depth on all of them. <laughs> so I will shorten it to the main ones. Well, thank you. A few of my personal wanted ones to note so i want to talk about sylvie we haven't talked about sylvie before sylvie meets claire bronfman at age 18 in a horse show jumping competition claire bronfman used to be like really into equestrian like horse racing and competitions and stuff before she joined an axiom mm-hmm. and so she got invited from claire to go over to the u.s to train with her and she was like awesome because claire is like really well known for her equestrian talents and obviously sylvie wanted in Mm-hmm. And so once she's there, she ends up going to Nexium with Claire. And over 10 years later, in 2015, she's pitched to DOS. And she's told the group is not associated with Nexium, and it's a woman's only group to take growth to the next level. The collateral is brought up, and Sylvia or, and Sylvie makes up that she's a sex worker and writes a letter to her parents falsely claiming that she's involved with sex work, including a naked photo of herself attached. Ooh. So they don't send it. That's her collateral. That's mm-hmm. the blackmail they have on her. And she becomes part of this world. Her master was Monica. Um, she had to do readiness drills. And that was two years before Sarah was in DOS. Mm-hmm. So she was doing that for years. Eek. And the readiness drills, if you remember, you, the master could text ready at any time. And the slave had to respond ready within 60 seconds, regardless of the time of day. So if your master wakes up at like 4 a.m. to rock a piss and they say ready and you don't respond, they're like, oh, great. Now I get to punish you. I can flog you. I can make you stand in the snow in your bare feet. And so. (sighs) Sorry, it's, it's so much. Two years of that. I can't even imagine. So that being said, in the trial, Keith's defense attorney went out in the intros to say that he was at the head to help with women's group like the women's growth he wasn't at the head of dos to like fuck all of them he was what was helping them grow after all which by the way is entirely contradicting what keith said time and time again publicly that he was not at all interfered with dos of course and then his attorney piece of shit fucking mark agnifilo is like he was but just for like their growth piece of shit so then (laughs) sylvie is told by monica her master that she needs to seduce keith and sylvie's like i don't wanna and she stalls and after some prodding by monica sylvie texts keith that he looks hot in his glasses and keith responds that's not enough you're gonna have to do more than that i hate that he knows that and it's not just like who actually does candidly seduce him Uh and you know begins a really you know Nobody does because he's the most average piece of shit there ever was. So he's just like, nope, 
gotta be quicker than that she's like i got you a dollar <laughs> <laughs> your glasses are cute gotta be quick in that here's Ugh. my dick ass so then he tells her to send a photo so she sends a selfie mm. and then he's like asking for more and more he's like be more vulnerable be more vulnerable work on your intimacy issues until she ends up sending a nude and she eventually either gets told by monica or by keith um I doubt she'd say no to the smartest and most ethical man alive, you know, Mm -hmm. that she's going to have a sexual encounter with Keith. And she talked dirty to me (laughs) ends up in Keith's place with him where he has her undress and lay on a bed to take a dirty photo. And he performs oral sex on her instead. Okay. Which is not consent, by the way. Um, And Sylvia recounted feeling terrible and disgusting during this on stand. Um, And she says that it went on for what felt like forever, but she couldn't say stop because of the collateral. And she stayed in Nexium and Das for a while, like even after Sarah and Nippy left. So she was there for years Mm. and she saw it all collapse around her. And eventually she goes home to the UK. Sylvie says she's still trying to get her brain back. Hmm. Then we'll go on to Mark Visante and his testimony. Mm -hmm. Mark Visante. He actually took the stand right after Sylvie, which was interesting. But Mark was super high up in the organization. Again, he was like the right hand man for Keith for a long time. He was the filmmaker and Mark leaves and helps Sarah to leave. So Mark was brought in by the prosecution, duh, because of his high status and enrollment. And Mark was a friend of Keith. And he says that he was best friends with Keith. Like Keith was his best friend. And Mark gave up a successful film career in L.A. to move to Albany and do the Nexium thing with Keith. And he reports that there were stretches of time that they would talk every day, take long walks together, and then go play volleyball. So they'd be, like, together inseparable for, like, six hours a That's day. That's so romantic. <laughs> which I'm like, yeah, this man wined and dined Mark Visante and then took all of the women in the organization home. Mm. And they were like, he was like, I already have my emotional fluffer, so I don't need you to do that. Oh, my God. The fuck? So Mark became the Nexium cinematographer, as we talked about. And like I said, Keith fucking loved everything that came out of his mouth. And he recorded everything. Of course he did. And so Mark got to do a lot of that. And Mark gets really emotional recounting some of this times. And he's asked to read the 12 principles of Nexium. And it's always shit like we're going to help each other succeed and like do what's best for each other. And he ends up like fully breaking down, just silently reading these in his head. Because he bought into it Mm -hmm. initially. He says it's he literally ends his testimony after reading that silently and he's crying and he just says it's a fraud. It's a lie. Later, Lauren takes the stand. And I don't have a ton in here on what she says. I do have linked in my sources. It's one of the last ones, the full court's transcript from the day that she testified. Mm -hmm. So you can read all of that. But essentially, she's the one that provided the video evidence that he was involved in designing the brand. She Mm. added the audio evidence that he was involved in the brand and the video evidence of him and Allison Mack, where he was describing the entire slave branding ceremony Mm -hmm. where he was like, they need to be vulnerable and strapped down and then they should ask for it. Like it's an honor, like, please master brand me. It would be an honor. And then he was like, maybe have cameras in different angles. And then, um, 
it's just it's so fucked up he should have just been like a porn director that's it yeah that's his calling like he would have and he probably would have done well yeah he would have been like let's uh let's get that from the top angle from the back um no seriously and then you're gonna say again oh oh baby oh baby keith oops i mean my husband's name that's what you're gonna say and we'll have a camera over there and over there and the, (laughs) the angle will be yeah Oh my gosh, I bet he'd get one of those like weird personalized director's chairs to sit in. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway. Ugh. Um so again, the prosecutors literally said that Lauren's cooperation was extraordinary and because she provided so much of that physical evidence ended up really like making the whole case of like listen you can say all of this and there can be as much plausible deniability as you want, but this motherfucker had us tape everything Mm -hmm. so here's fucking everything and it it goes down in flames it's so good so anyway lauren testified her whole story she talks about the 17 years that they were together and the dream of kids and the, the way they were flaunted and taken back and flaunted and taken back and all of these things, including like recruiting her friends into this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, recruitment for DOS was fucking wild. I mean, I know we've talked about it. It really like it stings my soul that they were like, this is a women's empowerment group for women only, except psych. Everything that you do is actually going to be used for one sicko perv to masturbate to. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the whole thing. He made it. He's going to brand you. He'll put you in a cage in his fucking basement for the fuck of it. All but right, we love so him. Lauren's exiting her. Lauren has exited and I her don't pe- have piece of shit era. Yes. I will say when we started, I'm pretty sure I brought it up that Sarah, when she was first interviewed, had little post-it notes over Lauren's face mm-hmm. in every photo. Right. They hadn't talked. Um, And that was the first season of The Vow, Mm -hmm. right before all the trial stuff. Mm -hmm. At this point in time, they are on their way to being better, which I think is like women, like literally only women. I mean, they were both in it. They both knew, and I mean, like I said, they're not besties. They're not attached. I honestly, I don't know and. It's none of my fucking business, honestly, whether or not Sarah still has Lauren's face taken out of things. I don't know. But I know that Sarah talked in an interview after the second season of The Vow came out and just said, I was so excited to hear about the sentencing stuff. We'll get there in a second. But basically just saying, like, I love Lauren. There's a reason we were friends for so long and I'm not totally over it and I'm still hurt, but I want to see her good and to me whether or not they become friends again that's enough growth i'm mm. fucking good for sarah like and hopefully good for lauren like it really seems like she did it like her and nancy it kind of seemed like they both kind of got that like wake up right and they were like oh fuck a bag like <laughs> yeah so i think that part's good but you know we all get lost and some people do really shitty things when they're lost and they think they have the answer just out of reach yeah and i mean they devoted their lives to 17 years something that was not only fake but evil yeah not you know not only untrue and like essentially worthless but trauma inducing yeah it it was 
the details were faked and the truth was stretched and the tactics to get people were a little less than honest but right to believe that it was for the greater good and then to find out that it was actually the worst thing you could do to people yeah and blackmail them into i don't know horror submission (laughs) yeah Yeah. and so the last bits i just want to wrap up the court proceedings and we'll take a little moment so again these obviously aren't the only witnesses there's tons um other doll slaves testify other higher ups testify people in the inner circle anyone everyone and so um the court also, again, saw the videos, heard the audio of him and Allison Mack talking, of him and the first line slaves talking. Mm-hmm. And I just want to throw in here really quick. We're going to get to the followers that he still has. Yeah. Allison Mack was married to one of them, Nikki Klein. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison Mack is not queer, to my knowledge. They married because it was, I'm pretty sure, a green card marriage. Oh, like a, oh, it's a female? Yeah. Okay. Nikki Klein. Um her and Allison got married, I think, so Nikki could stay in the States. Okay. I think Nikki was from Canada or something. Oh, okay. But I think she testifies, and she's very active. She's still a DOS member to date. Nikki is? hmm What about Allison? I don't think so. Yeah. So, anyway, then we're going to get to the sentencing. Okay. So, lots of things had come out, and... June 19th, 2019 was a great fucking day because that was the day that Keith, piece of shit, A. Ranieri, was convicted guilty of all sex trafficking charges related to his case. Oh, hell yeah. That was not his sentencing date. So we'll get there in a second. Mm. But like, what a good feeling. It took like no time. The jury came back and they were like, oh, he's fucking guilty. Like, <laughs> right. Guilty. Spell mm-hmm. it out with me. Um. So then fast forward like a little over a year. It was October of 2020 because COVID Mm -hmm. um, and Keith piece of shit. Ranieri was sentenced to 120 years in prison. Yeah, that should do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And personally, I like that over like a life sentence or something or like two life sentences. You're not going to live 120 more years, even if you die and get shocked back to life. And then you're like, Mm -hmm. Yeah. That man will be, what, 170 by the time? Right. And even if they were to release him because of the way that sentences worked, it wouldn't be before 60 years. Okay. Because I don't think they can release you early with it being under half of the time you were supposed to serve. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy. Yeah. That's fair. Um, And by the way, in case you want um, piece of shit Mark Agnifilo's take on it, Keith maintains his innocence. It's a very sad day for him. Um, he said, I think he's not surprised, but he maintains that he didn't mean to do anything wrong. Uh, You're right. Let's just, let's put it all behind us. Let's Mm. just move on. Oh my gosh. He didn't mean to. Well, that totally changes the fact that he raped a fucking ton of minors and then trafficked women into being his sex slaves, which by the way, um, in court, they found out that he had 50 and that wasn't the harem. That was 50 slaves. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Um, here's how the rest of the inner circle made out. Claire Bromfman ended up sentenced to nearly seven years in prison. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's short. But this is actually the longest sentence that any of his inner circle gets. What? Mm-hmm. 
Because they all got deals to, ter- to testify against him? Just Lauren. Wow. So I feel like that's short, but I suppose all she really did was fund the shit. Mm-hmm. Like there's not really a lot more that she did. I think she helped drive Daniela to or from the border one time. So I think that got tacked on. Okay. But that's it. Um, And honestly, there were like a bunch of fees, but what's like a couple million to a billionaire? Mm-hmm. It's right. nothing. It's drops in the bucket. So um, Claire, I guess, did pretty well. She's in prison right now. Um, Kind of worse, though. Allison Mack only got three years. Jesus. So she's out now? Uh, Should be. Wow. And here's the thing. It's not like Allison Mack did eventually also like give a pretty sincere apology and all of that. But my thing is I don't understand how Claire got more time than Allison when Allison is the one that did so much of the punitive things to the slaves mm-hmm. because she was quote unquote weak. So she had to toughen up by doing that. So Keith had her do all of that. And I'm like, how do you get three years for being the one that's like you can use my house to do the branding and it was her initials with Mm kids come on like how is she not at least more culpable than claire bronfman anyway so lauren then in exchange for her cooperation and pertinent testimony she received and this is nuts five years of probation and 300 hours of community service she did not do a day of time and who is this lauren Lauren. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm honestly okay with that. That actually feels okay to me for what she did. Um, maybe a little more for her part in the whole Daniela thing, but yeah. also in her testimony. And I think this is important to note so that it doesn't go unmarked. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much I believe it or don't. I haven't figured that out, but she does say that most of her interactions with Daniela were Keith telling her that she had to prove she would be a good parent to have a kid together. Oh, come on. Yeah. And just dangled that over her head. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. but don't worry. Then he goes and has a kid with someone fucking else. Like, yeah. What the fuck? So just so we know, I, I think she deserves a little bit of credit in that that was part of the equation. I don't know how much credit that waits, but mm-hmm. just so it's out there. And then also, um, I think that Allison Mack should have been privy to a lot more time than three years. I would agree with that. I don't even care if it's three years and then the same as Lauren, where it's like three years in and then five years of probation. Mm -hmm. But like it needs to be more than three for the role that was played. It it was so big. And she was like the fucking poster child for it. She was like their big name actress. She ran all of the ads for Jeunesse that like primed everybody for this shit. And then she was the one that was like excited and giggly and talking with Keith about like branding women in her home. Ugh. So I I don't love it. But then we get to Nancy and Nancy was sentenced to three and a half years in prison. I also think that should be a little bit longer. I don't know how much longer I think it should be. I mean, she piloted a lot of this. Exactly. And does that include any of her practicing without her licensure? Does that include any of this stuff? Or is that all that it is? And because she wasn't in DOS, she Mm. didn't get caught up in any of the sex trafficking exploitation shit. I wonder if Lauren had to testify again, like about things that her mom did. Probably. Um, And... I just think that I want to sum up Nancy's part with some quotes from her lawyers. 
their, her lawyers described their client to the judge as someone who was, quote unquote, fooled, controlled, humiliated, and ultimately led to engage in criminal conduct by an egotistical, self-important sex fiend. And according to court filings, Nancy also has said that she lives every day bearing and appreciating the full weight of her wrongdoing while she served as Keith Raniere's collaborator and enabler within the Nexium community. And I think that that reconciliation, sort of that come to Jesus moment, if you will, where she's noticing what she did, like Mm -hmm. she's really seeing the severity of it. I think personally that's in next er, in the vow. I think you see that. Okay. Cuz there's a breakdown that she has in that where she's just like, "Did I do this? Did I deserve this? Like maybe I do. Like I I I deserve to go to prison." And she's yeah. just like sobbing. And I'm like, "Well, hey. Like I don't know. I think accountability is such a big part of moving past things. Like, can we really trust her to be okay and be good after three and a half years in prison if that didn't happen? I don't think so. If she wasn't, like, fully taking responsibility for it. So I like that. I like that she takes it and she's like, yeah, I did that. That was shit. I didn't mean to, but I I did that. Um, Lastly, Kathy Russell, who I mentioned earlier, we haven't talked about her anywhere else in the series. Mm -hmm. She was just one of the inner circle that got got, um, arrested. Mm Mm-hmm. She got two years of probation and 200 hours of community service, which I think is fair. Originally, I didn't know much about her and her involvement, but in the ABC article that I read on it, um, it actually talks about how she was a major part in smuggling Daniela back into the States illegally and then hiding the immigration papers. So I think that's fair. I honestly think she should probably do like a year of prison time Mm -hmm. because they held a teenager captive in her room for two years and she's part of the reason that that child couldn't leave. Right. But there are plenty of things. So Keith is looking to appeal. Of course he is. Of course he is. He maintains his fucking innocence. He didn't mean to do all of that. I just think it's fascinating that all of this happened with little to no violence in making an example yep out of somebody other i mean i guess the isolation but i mean it's not like someone questioned him and he beat the ever-living shit out of them in front of a crowd and it was like Mm -hmm. you want to join them or you know there wasn't any of that to my knowledge nope and no one no one was murdered nope this there's not a death in this there's a lot of trafficking there's there's blackmail and there are former Nexium members that left that have wound up dead. Mm. Um, I would love to see how things transpire on that front. And if anything comes out, you bet your ass I will be telling you about it. Right. But it is suspected. Yeah. It's also suspected that he's killed people's dogs, which I'm like, lock him oh. up forever. Oh. Um, that alone. Yeah. That alone, lock him up forever. Yeah. That with everything else, like fucking castrate him. I don't care. <laughs> um. But there are still followers now. There are plenty of Keith Raniere and Nexium stands to date. In fact, just a week ago from writing this, Nikki Klein hosted a Zoom full of women that are self-proclaimed and self-identified as still in Nexium and DOS, sharing who Keith Raniere is to them. Oh, and while Nikki 
had a 15-year relationship with him. Um, At least two of them viewed him as more of like a professor-esque figure, to which I want to ask, when did you start in DOS? Because if you started after he became imprisoned, uh, you don't really get much of a say on what he did before then. Right. Um, But if they weren't, were they in Albany or were they in one of the other Nexium spots? Because that's the other part of it. Like there are so many Nexium places that if you're recruited into DOS and you're not in Albany, how the fuck are you going to fly out there to fuck this guy? True. So they have to wait for the big like seminars, like Sarah was saying, when everybody was going out to the thing that Nippy flip, like flipped out at. Right. That's when they were doing another branding ceremony because that's when people were coming to one place. Uh, right. Yeah, so like, they're all spread out. It's not like they're all, every single one of them is in one spot. Right. And honestly, like, I don't know how he handled this many relationships that were that long term. Like all of the women that are his exes are there at least like 10 years. Right. Tony, I think, is the shortest that we heard of at nine. Yeah. How does he do that with that many women? Like, how do you have the time for that other than obviously he doesn't fucking work? Right. That's it. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. So I think it's really important to point out. And some of these women still really think that it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, cognitive dissonance is a hell of a drug. <laughs> a hell of a drug. And I just also wanted to point out that Nikki Klein um, has been turned down by many attorneys. Because she's been picked up by attorneys and then she'll go like play music and hold signs up outside of Keith's cell. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we're still at there. Oh, no. Um, Mark Elliott, the man who said Nancy cured his Tourette's, he's mm-hmm. still a big stan. He mm-hmm. still posts actively on YouTube about his time with Nexium and what good they did. Okay. Yeah, so there's still plenty, um, but I want to talk about what we can take away, and I'm going to wrap this up. Okay. Because right now, Keith Raniere, piece of shit Keith Raniere, I hope, is someone's bitch in prison, <laughs> and that's a good place to end this on him. But we should learn something from this, because people, we've spent like eight hours together talking about it, mm-hmm. and I've spent a lot more than that reading about it, so there's got to be some takeaway here. Yes. Getting indoctrinated into a cult can happen to anyone. And that's why I want to put this so on blast, so big, so loud at the end of this. Like these people did not get into this because they were crazy looking for something. Mm -hmm. These people got into it because they were just insecure enough, just like something grander, bigger picture for their life was just out of reach and they wanted to be better people. And the reason they collect a following isn't like a cult has a giant cult flag waving outside. Mm -hmm. It's like you and I say all the time in abusive relationships, you don't ever go into it knowing that the guy's going to beat the shit out of you Mm -hmm. or you wouldn't go. If you go to something like this and they're like, Hey, we're going to make you our branded sex slave. Cool. You're not going to be like, hell yes. Sign me up brother. Here's $7,500. Right. Do that to me, please. Um, And so I just want to put it in there that like Sarah, Nippy, Mark, Lauren, Camilla, Daniela, Mariana, India, Tony, Barbara, Jen, Isabel. Those are just people we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Oh, also Rhiannon, Gina A, Gina B, all of those people. 
nobody expected that this is what they were going to get when they tried to build a community. And the number one tactic in cults is to make you override your gut feeling. So the number one recruitment tactic is like, hey, come here. You're welcome. In fact, um, Midsommar, it's an A24 film. It's pretty well known because they had like the flaming bear thing and it came out a few years ago. Um, Fascinating because that entire movie talks about how much more likely you are to be a victim to cult tactics if you survive trauma. Hmm. And so I think it's fascinating. You reach out to these people that want to heal, that want love and joy and lightness again after some of the darkest shit you can go through. And they end up right back in the same dark, shitty spot. Right. But the number one tactic in keeping people in these cults is to make you override your gut feeling. Sarah talks about this in some of the YouTube channels, but I think that it's the biggest takeaway for me especially if you're under the guise of self-betterment, they all know that growing is a little uncomfortable. So for Nexium, like the number one rule was if you're uncomfortable, it's working. It's because you're growing. And yep. if you really have a problem with something, that's something we need to work on. Not something that the curriculum needs to change. It's you that needs to change. And everybody who joins is like, well, I'm here for self-betterment. I want to change. Yeah, I, I want to change for good. I shouldn't be the same person going in as I am coming out. Otherwise, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Right. And I think that that's really the part of this that hurts my little heart the most. Like Keith Raniere, Keith piece of shit Raniere, took the people that were driven towards higher values and goals who wanted to be better, who wanted a community, and he manipulated those people, the people that actually might make our culture and our society a better place had they found a different outlet. Mm -hmm. He takes those people and he makes them a sex slave sorority Mm. so that he can like not come in a sock. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, basically. That's the whole thing. Like, that's it. That's the whole thing. And the red flags were not missing. But if you give everyone rose-colored glasses to put on, and this is a quote from BoJack Horseman. Please watch it. Um, (laughs) When you look at things through rose-colored glasses, all the red flags just look like flags. Mm -hmm. And if you question it, especially in Nexium, boy, you're the red flag. Colts also ask people to leave when they stand up against people. Um, Sarah also talks about that in some of the interviews. She says that they basically egg you on with the little weird stuff first. The sash. Calling him Vanguard. Calling Nancy Prefect. And if you're going to stand up and say, I'm not going to fucking do that. I don't know you. Mm-hmm. Why would I bow to you? I don't. Why would I kiss you on the lips? I don't know you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're escorted out. You're told not to come back. And those are the people that would disrupt the flow. So they really look for anyone that's just going to say, okay, well, I guess everybody else is doing it. I'll do it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's the people that he gets. And it's sad. I don't know. Like you have to buy into it to be hurt by it, which it's just kind of a fascinating, twisted piece of cults. And I think that's any cult. Mm -hmm. But like you, you have to be the one to buy into it to be hurt. And so Sarah also warns people about combating negative press to followers in a cult. So like if you're in a cult, if negative press is going to come out, they'll like early on prep you for it. Mm -hmm. So for Keith, his whole argument was that the worst thing you could call someone was a pedophile and that anytime you're going to try to make progress in society, people who aren't ready for progress are going to try to stop that. And so they'll just call him a pedophile. It wasn't actually that he raped like three children that were under the age of 15. Oh, my God. At least. Allegedly. (laughs) Yeah. So I think 
That's worth noting. She was just basically saying that when all of the articles came out, he also made it a whole thing that like, if you talk shit about someone, that's violence against them. And so even by reading it, you're violent against Keith Raniere. Are you kidding me? No. Oh, my God. So she also just wanted to warn people that, like, if there's information control, if there's me, like, people trying to convince you to not read something, you can't even get the information to make your up, up your own mind on it. Mm-hmm. That's a red flag. Further and lastly, I just wanted to talk about ontological security. And this is the other thing that I think plays into cults. In psychology, there's a spectrum of ontological security, and it ranges from security to insecurity, just kind of as you'd expect. But essentially, it's the human need to make sense of your life, like the need to know who you are, to have an identity, to have a community and to feel stability in that identity and placement. So when people are ontologically insecure, they are looking for that purpose, that community. And that is usually where cults end up kind of like saying, well, that's where we can come in. Why don't you just like put your little booty over here? Um, and I think that cults prey on people looking for ontological stability. And I would just look out for it if people promise you everything. I don't think anything ever is the entire solution to everything or people would have fucking caught on by now. We've been mm-hmm. alive long enough. I just think it's important to use discretion with big groups. You are an individual, you have your own mind, you have your own body, and yes, cultural beliefs, society beliefs, informal social control, how your parents, friends, coworkers, bosses, anyone reacts to things, that's going to help inform what you do, but nobody else chooses for you. They don't get that. Um, unless you're like a child and your parents are choosing what's for dinner, that's very different. Mm. Um, they have the right to do that, eat your vegetables, but otherwise... It's your life. It's your choice. And I just think that it's important to talk about when good intentions get twisted for someone's shitty, evil masturbation scheme. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the story. The rise and the fall of piece of shit Keith Raniere, self-proclaimed smartest and most ethical man in the world, leader of multiple MLMs, leader of a secret sex cult, a man with a supposed 50-plus sex slaves and a court-convicted predator. Wow. Nexium. What a fucking ride. Do you see why when I started this, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, and then you were like, wait, wait, wait. There's a whole other subset of what the fuck. Yeah. What the full-on fuck. What and the full-on fuck. Yeah. And this happened recent. I know, and I didn't know anything about this. Although I knew that... It was a cult and mm-hmm. I knew that it got like shut down. Yeah. That was the extent of it. Not that he was a predator his entire life. Yep. Not that it was all, you know, multi-level marketing, basically like fit teas and fucking supplements. Yep. And that he recruited children, children. their parents and then the children And none of the parents saw the neon red flags Mm -hmm. of him paying such close attention to their young female children. No offense, but why does this 45-year-old want to spend so much one-on-one time with your 13-year-old? Like, Until you're a bad parent. I mean, it's just all of that shit. And then, well, of course, this isn't going to feel well because you're trying to make changes. It's going to feel weird. It's going to be uncomfortable. You got to grow. 
and the blackmail and the <laughs> weird fucking porn and the depraved sex stuff and and then there's branding just and ugh, trafficking i d- yeah it's just fucking it's so sad and like people that went into like five to six digits worth of debt to take these stupid fucking classes to get pictures of their thong straps put in the middle of cows and be told that you're a fucking cow not only the people that paid for the classes but what about the people that were quote-unquote gifted businesses that were then run into the ground by the same person who put them in your name Mm -hmm. and then you're supposed to what say thank you and then when you try to get out you get sued Mm -hmm. And then when he drains you of your entire life savings, blocks you from getting bankruptcy help to pay for the endless pursuit of lawsuits. Oh, correct. And then dangles like having a family with you in front of your face to make you submit to. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's all around. And then because you hug someone, he's like, fuck you. You're a bad parent. Like, yeah, Lauren hugged someone. I would think that she would be a better parent for that. You fucking. Anyway. It's just because he didn't ever want, ki- you know, he didn't ever yeah. want kids with no. her. No. She might leave. I know. What if she actually finds a healthy partner that makes her feel valued and worthy as she is? Yeah, well, when people have kids, ideally, it's worth. Yeah. You'd, you'd move the world. Yeah. She'd actually have someone that she'd love more than him. He can't have that. That's fair. That's probably why. Yeah, of course it is. And then people want it better for them, their kids and they'll run with them. Also, um, kind of, I think that he was not a fan of women's bodies post-pregnancy. Yeah. Well, you might he, actually have to <gasps> gain weight. Yeah. I, I mean, he hasn't said that at all, but it's like, okay, let's put two and two together here. You starve all of your women and the second they get pregnant, you get them an abortion. And I get that part of that is like you probably don't want like a little generation of Nexians that just look like you and also have the same amount of sadism as you do because that would be a run for your money. But like it's not really hidden either. So just sad. So that was Nexium. And I'm so glad that that piece of shit is in prison. Well, so am I. And I I hope hope that he never gets out. He has so many butterfingers in the shower and he drops that soap so many times oh i hope that he eats the worst portion of the leftover like watery mashed potatoes um i hope his commissary is always stolen yeah and he never gets it i hope he gets like a lot of fan mail but it's like hate mail yes and so every day there's like a little sack of letters that gets dropped off that's like you're a piece of shit and then also I hope his hair falls out. Ooh. I don't know why, but the fact that he always kept it so long and like every now and then you'll get pictures of him online where it kind of looks like he's trying to like flip the hair and be like, look, so sexy. Mm. And I'm like, you literally look like you're looking for your calculator, Mm. sir. And you did type in boobs or five, eight, zero, zero, eight. That's (laughs) what I get from him. (laughs) And lastly, I hope he gets lice. Ooh. I hope he gets pubic lice. Uh. Yeah. I really do. Mm. Well, on that note. So, yeah. All right. I uh, love you guys so much. Um, if you guys want to see pictures, places, things that we talked about, not the pubic lice, duh. Um, you can go to our Instagram. Our Instagram is 
at about time for true crime pod with periods in between every word. So that is A-B-O-U-T period T-I-M-E period F-O-R period T-R-U-E period C-R-I-M-E period P-O-D because podcast was too long. But if you wanted to send us something longer than you'd want to put on Instagram, you could email us. You certainly could. You could email us and you can email us pictures of your pets because we love pod pets. Mm-hmm. You could email us, you know, see your feedback on some of our episodes. What topics do you want to hear? What topics don't you want to hear? Do you want to just say hi? Anything you want. Anything too long for a DM on Instagram? Email us. Hell yeah. And you can do that at about time, the number four, TC at gmail.com. So that's A-B-O-U-T-T-I-M-E, numeric four, TC at gmail.com. And keep your eyes peeled on our red bubble for that sticker drop. Always be looking at that red bubble, girl. And we love you so much. And we will see you next time. All right. If I look at my watch, that was About about Time time for True Crime. Crime. Go fuck yourself, Keith Ranieri. (laughs) 